Our world is lost in unnecessary fear and hurt. Our systems seem scientifically engineered to make you small, powerless, and always waiting for the next great leader who will fix the problems around us. Worse, we're witnessing neighbor versus neighbor while warfare breaks out around our family tables. But you have access to a spirit, a strength that enlarges and empowers you. Even better, you don't need to wait for the next big movement. You can heal the world. It's time for governance by Grace. Welcome to Gracearchy with Jim Babka. We got to talk about Governor Abbott. That cat, man, he could be sending people like he could he could bust people to California, and yet he's sending them everywhere. It's what is it, fifteen, almost sixteen thousand people now, and he's sent that he tweeted on this eight eight eighty nine hundred to D.C. In front of the vice president's house, right? 4,900 to the New York City people, um, 1,500 to Chicago and 690 to Philadelphia. Not a one of them to his close near neighbor, the great blue state of California. And he had the gall. He had the gall to say if Biden does nothing, Texas is taking unprecedented action to provide relief to our overwhelmed border communities. And I want to just say right now, uh, uh, with all the grace that I can, bless you, Texas border communities, because I know what you must be going through. So let's we'll just start there, and then we'll take Governor Abbott apart. How, how can we do that? Can still be graceful. <laughs> well, I let's be honest about where the governor's at. The governor is 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 an operating a program whereby he makes Texas poor, and he makes these blue sanctuary cities wealthier. That's what he's doing. Of course, he'd disagree with you, but let's explain how. Okay. So the very first uh, first term we're going to go over is GDP, which is basically the entire size of the economy. So if everybody is producing a certain amount and I add in more people and they produce as well, it's simple addition, the GDP expands. And that, you know, the, the disease here is very, very, very short-term thinking. It's looking at basically the first weeks and months that uh, a class of immigrants arrives. Uh, it won't be long before they are working and producing and being a part of the system they're going to be consuming so that that they're going to be expanding the pie that way and then they're going to be producing which is how we actually create wealth and they're going to add to the value of the economy because they just have to i've seen it you know i lived in southern california most of my life and i've seen that work over and over and over again i mean, look at the surnames of so many of the professionals in southern california right now and yes. beyond and yes. you can see Vietnamese, you can see Japanese, you can see Korean, you can see Chinese. Um, and I know personally, Vietnamese kids that grew up in, in sort of my generation, whose parents were literally escaping from Vietnam when they could, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. escaping. And, yep. uh, you know, and those folks have become incredible citizens of the United States and given back. And, well, you know. Governor Abbott, you're missing. This gets the, into the this it. gets into the second part of the economic equation, which is the per capita income. Because people are going to say, "Well, Jim, you're cheating." All these people come in and they depress the each individual's wealth a little bit. Maybe the whole pie is bigger, but our slice of it is a bit smaller. We have a little bit less to get on. Uh, they they take our jobs, for example. So uh, let's break this down and look at this very carefully. First of all, there is the concept of specialization which is a general concept in economics is very well understood to mean that it, uh, it's a source of wealth if we don't have to know how to do everything. The more things that you have to do to provide for yourself, 
whether it's, uh, you know, go out and hunt and kill your own food is, is for example, just to pick that one would mean that you had spent less time at your trade, which you can then subsequently trade in and you can't specialize as much. And then consequently you were poor and your community's poor because you're not providing the service either. So the, so the, the best possible outcome is specialization and specialization uh, is accelerated by the presence of more people. It's just that simple. So if you, if you're Robinson Crusoe on an Island, you may want to specialize, but you can't, right? But if you're, the more people that come into your community, the more opportunities there are to specialize in certain things. Now, then there's specialization in specific, which is, uh, which, you know, one of the arguments that's made here, some people say, well, you know, if we can get some really talented people from foreign countries, you know, with advanced degrees and, you know, different skills or whatever, those people come over. We want the really talented people. Well, actually, you want all of them. You also want the low cost labor to come here. Um, uh, you, you, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question. I want to illustrate this if I, if I may. Sure, sure. Shoot. Pick something that you don't really enjoy doing very much. You have to do it. It's part of your drudgery. It's part of your list of chores, so to speak. You've got to do this thing. And if someone would come along and cheaply enable to do it, that you would drop it in a heartbeat. You would, what would you, what is that thing? And what would you do with your time instead? Oh man, the number one thing is calls to customer care, you know, tech support calls and stuff. <laughs> I, I would get out of that lane so fast. Okay. So if you had somebody who was with a foreign accent talking on the phone to someone else for a foreign with a foreign accent, because that's you what you get bet. with a call anyway, right? You bet, brother. Right now. Uh, going through and dealing with that stuff and they, they would be willing to do it rather inexpensively, right? They specialize in like, oh, I know how to fix this. That's something you would pay for in a moment. Absolutely. Okay, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you just heard a business opportunity right there. That's how yep. in, things are invented. Services are created. That's how people get rich. They see problems and they go, wait a minute. I know how to solve that problem. So I don't know what the solution that is. We're not going to get into that today, but I want to talk about specialization. Yeah, my contact because info it's... is in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so if if we uh, if we could get someone to do that work for you, you would be happy to hand it off. Now, what would you do instead? Oh, I'd spend so much more time. Like I love like music, so I would be in music even more than I already am. You know, Jim, I'd be I'd be doing my my passion, what I love. And almost everybody feels that way. And it's possible even that your passion could be something that becomes profitable to other people around you. It comes to oh, benefit don't, don't others push your luck you. there. I am a musician. Don't push your luck on the profitability, but we're hoping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. but, but the, the, the specialization in specific means that all of us, all of us can benefit from general waves of immigration, not high, just high talent immigration, but general labor immigration. We can all benefit from that. And we oh, all so have much. something. Every one of us, every person watching right now is stuck doing something that they don't want to do. And if someone came along and said, I'll do that thing for you. And then price was low enough, they would hand it away. In a minute. Done. Okay. They're not, this is new work that's being created because right now you're doing it. So it's not like somebody who provides a service is missing out on your business. You've already made a decision. You're not going to pay for that. This is the thing you're going to do yourself. But if someone comes along and says, I'll do it cheaper, you go, wait a minute, maybe I need to reconsider my priorities here. 
right? I could trade a little bit and then I could spend more time on my music. And both you and they are wealthier and no one loses anything because it wasn't a job that got taken from somebody else. You with me? Oh yeah. Um, lastly, in terms of per capita, because per capita is the long-term factor. There's a, there's the, the GDP is going to show up pretty quick. And I, like I said, I, it's almost like the people that don't understand this, there's almost like an infantile childlike mindset of that. There's this finite pie and I got to make sure I got mine. And I'm saying to you that that's not the case, but when we start to look at this more long-term and we start to look at the per capita wealth that's created by the presence of new people in an economy, it comes because some, some of those people are not just going to work, but they're going to be extra industrious and they're going to start businesses. And we see this in every wave of immigration. So just not far from me, we have uh, South, South Asian uh, populations that have moved in here. Um, Karen, uh, my, my wife has one of her best friends now is Karen. Uh, go look it up if you don't know what it is. Um, but there's a couple of different peoples in that area, Nepali, different people. And they're setting up businesses and shops all the way down the road. It's their business, their community. You can see it starting to thrive. And then their children will go on and get education. They will make sure that their children take advantage of the system. And that following generation will also create even more wealth. And so the places, these sanctuary cities to which these, these people are going that are being welcomed, they're going to long term, they're going to expand the wealth of those communities, both in terms of GDP and even more important per capita. Everybody, everybody is going to see their per capita wealth going up. Everybody, I don't want, not just I don't the immigrants. Want to brag, you know, but you know, Governor Abbott, uh, how big is California's economy, like in the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we haven't gotten there because a bunch of white guys kept a bunch of people with other skin color out of the state. We've gotten there because everyone in California understands the importance of working together, and we may not care for each other's political views, but we get it. You know, it's but about you all. You are hitting on something really super important that's hidden and subtle in this whole thing. If you wanted to devise a program to create more blue, more Democrat votes, you could hardly do better than take the people who are coming in and ship them off to sanctuary cities because they're going to remember whose door was open and whose door was closed. And they're not in your community anymore. They're in another community making it wealthier. And they're going to set down roots there. And they're going to remember when they vote who welcomed them and who shut them out. And how do I know that this is true? Is this just a, an abstraction, a theoretical speculation? No, Bill, you raise exactly the case study. So there was a governor of California, a Republican, the second to last Republican governor. His name's Pete Wilson. And Pete yeah, Wilson Pete. saw the trend coming where the party was starting to say, we don't want immigrants in here. We want to do something about illegal immigration. And as they turned up the heat on this issue, he said, this is destroying us. And now where is the Republican Party in California? This is virtually Just everybody giving everybody a chance to listen to those crickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on that there. I didn't know that was coming. But yes, that, that's exactly uh, that's exactly the case. They're 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 losing. And the Democrats have control of all the statewide offices, both houses of the state legislature, uh, the vast amount of the bureaucracy. The policies there are blue policies. So Governor Abbott is and, and it, you know, maybe Texas will, will stay red for a little bit longer, but they are making other parts of the country that have greater population 
uh, and will continue to have greater population. Their areas will shrink because, by the way, your children will start to leave and your grandchildren will start to leave and go to these areas of economic opportunity. That's what will happen. They'll move to the big city where people specialized and per capita income is higher. And you know something that's really wonderful about immigrants is that we kind of hang together. You know, I, I know my family several generations back hung together as sort of a German enclave within the Midwest and then started to branch out after they got their legs on the, on the, on the, on the ground, you know, and that happens here in California too. You see communities spring up and they help each other and they, they, they make it possible to thrive. And I know everybody's going to say, you know, it's expensive to live in California and look at all the problems in San Francisco and the homeless thing and blah, blah, blah. But we're doing it. We're doing it because we have the heart to help one another. And that I think is really important. And I want to note that this exists in Texas too. Yes, it does. You know, and, and that's a huge yes, quality. Does. If we can figure out how to leverage that, all the bolts will rise. The title rise for everybody. I've never understood. There's something I just fundamentally don't understand. So I have a friend who lives in Florida and he says, all my neighbors are, are, are Mexican. And um, he lives not too far outside of Orlando. He'll recognize himself if he's listening. He is a listener to the show. And uh, he's like, they're great people. They're religious. They're family oriented. They get up and go to work every day. They're gone most of the day because they're at work. So they're hardworking. And he says, yeah, they celebrate on the weekends. Like when they get some downtime, they have a good time. They let their hair down. And he said, they're, they're fun. But he said, man, these are, these are the people that should have been, uh, should have been more conservative. They are more conservative in their personal demeanor, but they don't find themselves welcome by the people who maybe would be more prone to share some of their values. At least there'd be some distribution division on this. And listen, I don't care. You know, if you're not Republican, Democrat, I don't give a hoot about either one of them. I think they're both ruining the country. But to be clear, Governor Abbott, it believes, and his supporters believe that they're really showing them. Yeah, they're really showing them. And the people that care about this the most will be dead by the time most of the impact of this hits. You're leaving, you're not leaving a better country for your kids in this process. You're really not. You're you're making bad political and financial decisions. One more grace point, Jim. I'll challenge you to see if you can find something new in all this that we haven't yet said. I pointed out a book to you as I was thinking about this episode. Um, One Billion Americans by Matthew yeah, Iglesias. Yeah, right. So he, when he says one billion, he's wants to get there. He wants to dramatically increase the population and billions, a nice symbolic number. Uh, we have about 300 million, 330 million Americans right now, maybe 340. He wants to dramatically increase the population. He happens to be on the political left. He's an economist on the political left. And he wants to increase the population by hook or by crook. And so that includes two things. That includes robust immigration and that includes an increase in birth rates. Those are both part of what he's suggesting. And this, the focus of his argument is on China and competing with China because China is very, very big. And he's saying, if we want to compete, we need to be bigger. So I, I want to run you through a couple of analogy type of things to kind of sum up this argument. I don't fully agree sure, with all of his prescriptions about how to get there and so forth, but I, there's some basic things and I was these were some ideas that I had that maybe would help communicate the value of more people in, in terms of being competitive on the world, in the world stage. You ready? Yeah, that's cool. I'm listening. All right, let's play football and let's pretend you're a coach. We're going to start you off as an NFL coach. You have 53 guys on your team. That's the rules. Okay. Your opponent's team has 53 guys. 
But now imagine that you decided that every player on your team could be paid more because there's a pie, right? We could pay everybody more if we cut the team size. So we're going to cap your team at 35 players. How successful do you think your team's going to be long-term against the team that has 53? It's about three games. I'd be down to having like barely enough to field an offense and a defense. Yeah. Yeah. So no one would place themselves under that constraint voluntarily if they wanted to win games. If you want to be competitive, you're not going to say, well, we got to make sure instead of dividing the salary 53 ways, that we're only going to divide it 35. You just wouldn't do it. Okay. That makes sense. It doesn't make any sense. And by the way, it's not even a good long-term recipe for the 35 because if they're losers, they don't yeah. see their pay rate. The people that yeah. get credit, the people that get endorsement deals, for example, in sports are the ones who happen to have uh, be on winning teams, be involved in championship programs. So you don't want to cut the size of your team. Okay, so number two, let's talk about talent pool. Now, again, our, we're competing against, this is a competition, and we're going to do football once again, but this time I'm going to make you a college coach. Don't consider that a demotion. Some of these college jobs are very cushy and last for a long oh time. Gosh. And lucrative. Okay. Yes, they. You, it's not uncommon that the highest paid bureaucrat in, in any given state is the coach of the number one football program in that state. Yep. Okay. All in right. Fact, let's say, up. let's say you live in Texas now. You're in Texas, and what? It's, so it's and it's one of the largest states, and football is like the state religion there. Okay. Now, once upon a time, true story, there was a requirement for schools to give out a certain number of their scholarships. To, to, to boys who live who, who who lived in the state, residents of the state. Sure. Okay? Yeah. A certain percentage of the team had to go there. That's been lifted. That's not the rule. Long time ago. But let's say in a fit of virtue signaling, uh, your boss has come and tell you that you can only recruit from Texas now. Will your program become a powerhouse under those circumstances if you're the only one playing by that rule? As good as everything, as Pop Warner High School, whatever, as good as it all is, it's not enough. No, you've got to have a bigger talent pool. It just won't work. Yeah, so you, you, you said, I'm not going to be in these other 49 states and you're not probably not even going to win every battle in recruitment battle in your own state. Some kids are going to leave. Yeah. Right. This is, this is, you've tied yourself and this is exactly what people are proposing to do with our immigration programs. We're going to restrain who can come in here and where we can go to go find talent. We got to make sure we keep it all here within the United States. Okay. Three. Don't we want China's best players on the field? Like they have some all-stars. If we had a chance to recruit those all-stars to be on our team, all of Asia, for that matter, all of Africa and Europe and so forth, don't we want all of the best players on our team? If we have a chance to, to recruit them, this is what I call a plus two situation. They don't have them anymore and we do. So exactly. now we're yeah. even even better positioned competitively. Our country should be wealthier because of that, right? Right. Yeah. So we should be opening the door as much as possible and trying to bring this talent in. And there's 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 some specific things to say about that. Number one, we lead in the terms of the number of Nobel Prizes, for example, that we get and scientific awards and so forth. Why? Well, it turns out that the people that are here, they're either first or second generation that win these these awards. The Americans that win them tend to overwhelmingly be first and second generation. So they are able to come to the place where they can maximize their ability to achieve those things. And we benefit as a result. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we want the very best players to come to play on our team. We want the largest pool to go out and reach to find all players, the players we need. And we want more people. 
period, because we don't want to be stuck competing against a team that's a lot, lot bigger. And essentially, this is what Matthew Iglesias was getting at. I haven't read the book, um, but this part of it, this little bit of it, I understand that the idea of the more people that we have here, it has already been worked out. This was worked out a couple of years ago. This is a major study that, that theorized uh, soundly, in my opinion, that if all constraints on human movement were lifted from country to country across the planet, and people could go wherever they wanted to thrive and succeed, they would choose places like the United States. And by the way, tiny little rabbit trail, we should be happy about this. We should be like, we win. When people have a choice between where they're going to want to go, they don't want to go to some of these other places. They want to come here. This means this is the promised land. And that's something that we should be like, hey, look at us. We're the promised land. And we should be proud of that rather than trying to, to, to acting as if we're embarrassed and cutting off our own nose to spite our face. But this study said that if everybody could go where they wanted, world GDP would double, would double. We'd all be twice as... We'd have twice as much wealth floating around. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that, man. I, you can see it happening. Our neighbors to the north, eh? They have a target of something like a million and a half immigrants in the next ten years, or something like. That. I don't know what the exact target and the time frame, but it's a million and a half. Is the number that's sticking in my head? That's a healthy program. You know, that's saying well, hey, it is. Except I don't want to plan for it. It is, except I don't well, want to yeah, plan okay, for it. I'm with you. I but want individual choice, human right? beings to make that decision. We want to have a choice. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that the government planning is the way to make this happening. I'm taking the, taking the handcuffs off. Let it happen. But I love your idea about being able to choose where you're most productive in the world, where you feel the most safe, where you feel you can thrive, where you, if, you, if healthcare is an issue, find a, a country that does healthcare the way you want it, right? If, if opportunity is an issue, find that, you know? And we don't get to see the potential until we start to take some of the lids off. Stir the pot, see what's inside. Mm -hmm. So this is this is a great approach. So that book, I'll post it in the show notes, but it's called One Billion Americans, people. Right. And I want to be clear. I don't I'm, I'm not a fan of all of, of Iglesias's approaches because he also wants to dramatically expand the government to make some of this stuff happen. Oh, he of wants course more he does. Programs, <laughs> right. Well, that's the answer. I, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. We don't need to do any of that. And, and, and a lot of it is very ill conceived. But the intent or the direction that he's going here is right. It's fundamentally sound. And these arguments I just shared with you, making you a football coach, Bill, that's not in the book either. I don't want to mislead anybody. These, these, you asked me for some independent thinking here. I was a little inspired by his title more than anything else and what I understood the book to contain. Makes sense to me. And it's a whole lot better than the, the you know, the Abbott busing program. I'm sorry, the Texas busing program. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's going to it's going to exist long after Governor Abbott's gone. I'm sure they'll be still doing stuff like that. It takes a while. I just right? I don't. You know, he could do whatever he wants. I want the people in his state. I want individuals in his state. There to be fewer and fewer who are proud of this activity and start to recognize its 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 inherent foolishness. Yeah, and I'll I'll tease the next episode because not only is it un-American, it's not biblical. And yes. We need to make that very clear, especially in the Bible Belt, where the Bible actually says about immigration. So we'll do that in yes. the next episode. So what about the people that say that having more immigration flooding into America dilutes our culture in some way? What's what? How do we respond gracefully to that? Um, Matthew Iglesias notes, and I thank Dave Henderson. Uh, he's a Facebook friend of mine uh, for pointing this out on uh, for, on, on a, in an article for Cato. But Iglesias in his book noted that in 2018, 
the U.S. fertility rate fell to an all-time low of 1.72 births over the lifetime of the average woman. That's a negative uh, growth because it takes two people to, to procreate. And so instead of having produced two, which would have been even or better, which would have expanded the population, it's actually now a negative rate, which has a lot of effect on various social yeah. programs, particularly Social Security and Medicare uh, in the long term. Some really grave consequences coming down the pike. We discussed with Steve Barrow in an earlier episode, which I know you're going to post in the link in the show notes as well. Yep. We discussed why more human beings being born was better for everyone involved. It was better for the general economy. It was better for a family. This idea that you can't afford it, we don't address that. This is, by the way, a widespread belief in the 20-somethings right now. So if you're having issues with that, you go back and listen to that episode. Steve Barrows really makes a very good, compelling uh, case. And I want to call it pro-life. I don't mean this in the abortion debate sense. I mean in the, we want more human beings. We recognize the inherent worth and value that human brings, beings bring uh, to uh, society. Um, but Iglesias does it, who's coming at this from the left now, says that the, um, the there's an important factor here, and that is that there's the and that is the cost. So if you think of this in strictly economic terms, where um, if if there is a if it's expensive to have children, then just like anything else, there's going to be fewer of them. And right now, that is definitely the perception, if not the reality, that it's expensive to have children or it's expensive maybe to get to the home, to buy the first home. And so that's got to be delayed. And then subsequently, maybe the children that are going to be living in that home need to be delayed, or we need to agree to live in smaller quarters where we can't afford to have as many children. So when, when, it's, it, when all else is equal, people are going to have fewer children if they don't think they can afford them. And Iglesias' solution to this is a subsidy. And you get another subsidy. But I think that we have to have a discussion. Two, yes. I think we have to have a discussion. Twofold. Hold on a second. So All we're right. taking the, the existing zero-sum pie, and we're saying we're going to use more of our borrowed future to subsidize something that we think is, you know, as social engineers that we can control. There's That's the, the proposal? That's his proposal. Okay. Well, so we can give him a give him an A for recognizing the problem and the correct uh, resolution to that problem. Right, more more babies. Right, more babies. He, he recognizes the benefit of it, but he's saying that we should have a program that basically would give every household three hundred dollars a month for every child they have, which would well that'll go a long way. <laughs> um, it, it's not going to cover everything, uh, no doubt. But you know, sometimes if you could just lower the cost of something enough, people decide to jump on. Right. Yeah, true. Okay, so I I I, I derailed your. I want to I want to approach this. I want to approach this from first of all from a philosophical, moral, philosophical point. Conservatives tend to argue that they are pro-family, and if you're pro-family, you should be having more family. That's the number one way that you demonstrate that you're pro-family. You can bleat all you want about how other people should be living their lives. But the real way that you demonstrate your pro-family is you have a family and you have more of that family. That's the number one way you do that. Okay. There is no number two in comparison. That's it. So stop talking and start. Well, make love. Okay. Just get to it. 
All right. So, <laughs> that's, <a> good, <laughs> that's good advice for everybody these days. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, I have this hidden feeling that a lot of these people's position is actually hidden in bigotry. And I base this on the fact that if you say to them, we should have more people coming, they will immediately make arguments about illegal immigrants, which I, so, so there's a solution to something being illegal. You change the law and you make it legal. And if you say, we want to make it legal, we want to bring in, they say, no, no, we can't have them because they're now they're going to dilute our culture. They're going to change voting patterns. They're going to do a variety of other things. I don't know why that necessarily has to be true for, you know, we discussed earlier, if they were more welcomed in certain places, they should naturally be constituents in, in a, in a relative breakdown, but probably lean a little bit more conservative, honestly, in most cases, or resonate with that message if they were wanted and accepted in those areas. But, uh, this is, this just doesn't work. Um, because they're not actually going after the real target of the, uh, or the real problem. If having more children is more expensive, and it, this is true across the board for everybody in the country, this means there's probably a government problem that's driving all of this. The government's too big. It takes way too much money. It regulates way too much. It does a variety of things that suppress the, econ the economy's ability to produce and make it harder and harder to get in. Now, let me just take one before we go. Let me just throw one out so I can make clear what it is I'm trying to say. You will notice that the things that the government subsidizes are the most expensive things in our society. And the things that they have very little involvement are the places that have the most technological advancement and they keep going, the cost keeps going down. Everybody's heard of Moore's Law. Moore's Law only works because the government is largely out of the way. The more that they subsidize, the more they're going to break that thing. But let's just take housing as an example because this is a real central concern to the people that we're talking to right now. Government has heavily subsidized housing and they did a lot for my generation. I'm in my 50s. They did an awful lot to help us get into housing. And consequently, the price of housing has gone up, 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 up. So that the entry point, the point where you're jumping on the ladder, the bottom rungs of it have been cut off. And it's a bigger leap to get up on top. And so consequently, they're making the decision to have fewer children. Now, if you really want to have a pro-family policy, you would take your eyes off the immigration ball and you would turn around and you say, you politicians have really messed us up. And we need to knock off this nonsense where we're going to help people buy houses, get schooling, all these other things that they're doing because they've turned, it turns out we've actually made it more prohibitive, not less. We've actually made, because we've made it more expensive. We've artificially driven up the costs on our own and we should have yep. stopped. That is the most pro-family policy. And if we reversed all of these things, yeah, there's going to be a temporary moment of readjustment where everybody's got to get their feet underneath them because the world will dramatically change. They were making plans on other basis. But if we turned this around, it wouldn't be long. And I mean, it wouldn't be long. A couple of years tops before we started into a new pattern where things started to get more affordable and people's attitudes about all these things changed. So stop, stop, stop the obsession with why immigrants are making your life bad. It's, it's rich, smug, well-fed politicians and the people who support them. And you might even be one of them that's Governor so Abbott. against Governor Abbott. You're supporting Governor Abbott bringing us to this, this really difficult discussion we have to have today. And by the way, if I manage to offend you in what I said today, good. Go look in the mirror. Assess your soul. We're going to come back in a, the next episode and we're going to talk about how God, how, how God viewed the immigrant. We want more people here. We're pro-life 
in that standpoint. We want them to come. The door should be open. Our lamp should be up. This is the city on the hill. It should be the city on the hill instead of us wrecking it.